0: The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.
1: Our scripture reading today is I'm going to continue Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. Martha and Mary. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. but one thing is necessary mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her
0: all right let's pray one more time as we come before god's word let's ask him for help heavenly father we thank you so much lord that uh, you're always speaking to us and that you speak us uh, speak to us through your son lord by the power of your spirit you speak to us through this incredible book your holy word lord we pray Uh, As we prayed before, God, that you'd give us ears to hear. Lord, help me to teach this faithfully. And Father, we pray that as we hear this word together, that you would uh, work in our hearts and our minds and we we would take it to heart, put it into practice. It would form who we are. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been walking just right through Luke's gospel account of the life of Jesus. We're finishing chapter 10 today. Last week, we saw the account that had that Famous story in it, right? The story of the Good Samaritan. This week, we kind of come down the hill as far as fame or notoriety and come to this moment that is probably lesser known, less, uh, maybe more obscure. And it's just this story, right? This simple kind of everyday moment story when Jesus goes over to Martha's house for dinner. But we can't let the obscurity of the story let us think that it's not important. In fact, what I hope you'll see as we move forward in this is that it's the, it's the obscurity of the moment that makes it so important. It's the, it's the sense that it's just everyday life, that it's normal, kind of kind of boring, kind of just regular. It's, it's that kind of a moment that makes this passage so powerful, so needed. So, so th- consider the language used by Jesus in this text. He says something like, one thing is necessary. If you have a mentor in your life, or maybe it was a parent, or a boss, or a friend, anybody you respect that's helping you learn or understand something, I mean, if they say to you, hey, pay attention, one thing is necessary, shouldn't you, you know, look up? Oh, shouldn't you listen in? That's what's happening here. Jesus actually says, this is the good portion. So what does that make you think of, good portion? When I think of portion, I think of something to eat, okay? Would you like the good portion or the eh, portion? Okay, this is the good stuff right here. This is the top shelf right here. This is, the, this is what will feed you, nourish you. This will satisfy you. This is the one thing. So here we have this moment that's kind of obscure, boring, regular life, day in, day out kind of stuff, and Jesus, here right in the middle of the boring, tedious, normal says, this is the one thing which is the good stuff right here. So if you look to Jesus and who he is, and, and you, son of God came in the flesh to save us, and he says, hey, this is the one thing, shouldn't we all be like, what is it? Let me in. And here's the problem that's so amazing. Uh, as we come close to approaching what is this one thing, we're going to find that we're just like Martha, and we have this tendency to be distracted away constantly from this one thing which we already have. This tendency to be distracted away from the one necessary thing. And I was, as I was reading this passage, I was just, remembering how often this is me, I'm I'm just like Martha here, and I was thinking of you, praying for you, and I was thinking, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure half of us, most of us, come distracted away from the one thing. And so just like the Lord Jesus does with her, he lovingly corrects her, draws us in, and says, hey, refocus right here, the one thing, the good portion. So there's three things I wanna look with you in this passage. Number one, the tendency to get distracted. The tendency to get distracted. Number two, the necessary. What's the one thing that you, we don't wanna get distracted away from? The necessary. So the tendency, the necessary. And then the third is the choice, okay? Jesus says of Mary, she has chosen the good portion. And so when you're distracted, You've you've got to recalibrate, come together, and, and have that discipline, right, to make the good choice, the tendency, the necessary, the choice, and then we'll cap it all off together as we enjoy the Lord's Supper. So here we go. What about the tendency? We'll look in verse 38. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So here in verse 38, we get acquainted with this wonderful woman named Martha, and she really is a wonderful woman. Um, anybody, do you, do you remember anything about Martha? You remember anything about her? You learn about her a lot in the Gospel of John. She is a close friend of Jesus. She's a close friend. He, lo- he loves her uh, in in a, a close friend kind of a way. They know one another very well. They have fellowship. They uh, she hosts him often. Uh, n- not only that, she's full of faith and trust in Jesus. You read John 11 in the account of when Lazarus, her brother, um, is sick and dying. She's the one who, I believe, you're the resurrection and the life, she says to him. She she is a, um, she's really kind of a hero of the faith. She's, she's not presented as, this kind of hypocritical, sort of invested kind of person. No, she's, um, she takes initiative. She trusts the Lord. She loves him, and he loves her. So we get, in, we get introduced to her, but not only that, we see she's ready to serve. What does she do instantly as Jesus and his disciples are coming into town? She welcomes him into her house. So she's somewhat wealthy. She has a house. It's her house. And as Jesus, and I would assume his disciples are near, what does she do with her house? Okay, it's all yours, Jesus, come on in. And uh, I, would, I would guess, Luke doesn't really tell us, but I, I would guess some of his disciples came in as well. You know, maybe she was like, Jesus, you can come in, and then the rest of y'all. No, I, I don't think that was it. She brought them in. And so, hey, you all know this, okay? What is it, what is it like? to bring in 13 guys for dinner, okay? 13 guys for dinner. Now, you and I, we can run to Costco, and uh, you know, maybe some of us will get that easy prep, easy bake pizza or something, okay? But some of you are like, no, 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 wait, who is it that's coming over for dinner? It's Jesus, okay? Now, um, imagine you got to have Jesus over for dinner. Are you gonna do easy bake pizza from Costco? Okay, you're going to want to up your game a a little, right? It's Jesus and his disciples. I mean, Jesus speaks the word of God, and you want him to remember, hey, it was a good dinner. right? (laughs) But they didn't have Costco, and so you imagine what it takes in the ancient world to prepare dinner. It's a lot of work. It's, it's hard to gather enough all the resources and to put it all together and to get it ready. Have you ever tried to, I was trying to rock the other day, scrambled eggs, bacon, and pancakes simultaneously. Because, you know, if you're going to do this right, it all has to be hot and fresh at the same moment. Because I don't want to give you warm bacon, but the egg's cold. You know what I'm saying? It's got to, so she's a hostess. She's a leader, she wants to give her best to Jesus. It's absolutely what's happening and his disciples. And so she's ready to serve hospitality and service, and she's ready to go. Now, let me just ask you: hospitality and service, are those good things? Yes. They're not just good things, folks. Are those commanded things for followers of Jesus Christ? They are. Romans 12:13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show what? Hospitality. Galatians 5.13, through love, what should we do? Serve one another. So what's wrong? Look back in your text, verse 40. What happens to Martha? Verse 40. Martha was distracted with much serving. She's distracted with much serving. Now again, we ask, is much serving a good thing, often, yeah, it is, and is serving Jesus and his people through hospitality a good thing. It's a very good thing. It is a commanded thing, but is it the one thing? Is it the necessary thing? Is it the ultimate thing? What does it mean to be distracted? Some of you are like, what? <laughs> okay, that's what it means. <laughs> you, you lose your focus on what deserves your attention and your, and your, and your peace and your meditation and your joy, your, your foundation, and you lose it um, often with good things. Oh, you lose your focus on what's most important And when you're distracted, you begin to think that you really need some things you actually don't need, and you begin to assume that you don't need the thing you actually do need. So this one thing that you actually do need, you begin to assume, oh, I've got that, I have that, and then you see these secondary things which are good, but that you don't need, and you begin to say, I I need that. I have to have that. What's in Martha's mind right now as you imagine her? What does she really need in her mind? What is she distracted by? I got to get the dinner ready. I have, to have the, I have to have it all come out right. I have to have uh, the, the bedrooms ready or the, all the things that go with hospitality. I need these things so much. And, you know, as we're going to see in this passage, Jesus and Martha disagree on what she needs the most. She, he's saying to her, you've assumed you have what you need, but you, could, you got distracted, and you think you need things where I don't actually think you need them, Jesus will say. You've forgotten the one thing. Distraction is to lose your focus. It's to think you need some things that you really don't. Assume that you have what you really need. And look what it did in her, and I think we need to see that the distraction is destructive, the distraction is destructive. And folks, let's let it land here. Martha is a church-going, uh, she's like a deaconess, she loves Jesus, she serves him, okay? This is the, she is a mature disciple. That's the kind of context we're in here. So this is, Je- this is Jesus' words, not for the, you know, who needs to hear this word from Jesus? It's, it's me, I need to hear this, it's you. It's those of you who care about serving the Lord. We're the ones especially prone to this kind of distraction. And it's destructive. Look at what Jesus says to her in verse 41. The Lord answers her, and we'll get to what she said. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. So what's one thing her distraction led to? Anxiety. Anxiety, are any of you ever uh, full of anxiety? Okay, and uh, those of you who aren't, like write a book or something, okay? Uh, We have a lot of anxiety. What is anxiety? Worry and concern about the future that spoils the present. Worry and concern about the future that spoils the present. You know, and we're, we're gonna look at what Martha said to Jesus. One thing that she said to him is, Lord, don't you care? She says that to him. Lord, don't you care? And so look what's happening in her mind. She got distracted and she's thinking, I'm serving Jesus. I'm the one who cares. I'm the one who's trying. And now she's assuming something about Jesus. She's thinking, I care, but what? He doesn't. I care, but he doesn't. And so she's full of anxiety. And this is where anxiety comes from, brothers and sisters, right? You doubt God's goodness to you in the future. He won't be enough for you. He won't provide for you. And you think, I'm serving you, Lord, and I'm trying. Don't you care? And so distraction is destructive because it leads to this anxiety. It's also destructive because it leads to this frustration. This frustration. Martha is very frustrated with someone. It's not just Jesus, who else is it? It's her sister, right, it's her sister. So we know how this goes, okay? You ever been in a house like this, okay? One person is working and working very hard. And that one person feels like the other person is not giving the same energy or passion necessary to this project, okay? You ever had that in your living room for, okay? Um, and so in some cases, maybe there should be some frustration because the other person's being lazy and they need to chip in. And can I get an amen, Okay. Amen. Um, but in other cases, like in this one, Martha is absolutely out of line to be frustrated with Mary. Jesus is going to say to Martha, no, it's actually Mary who has this right. And so here, instead of enjoying this epic moment with her sister, wouldn't you like to sit there with the one you love the most at the feet of Jesus. And instead of enjoying this epic moment with this person she loves, she's frustrated with the person she loves. And it's breaking up their relationship, and she's bitter and she's angry. And why? It's because she's distracted. She's distracted. She assumes she has the things she needs, and then she thinks she needs things she doesn't really need. And it's led to anxiety, it's led to frustration. And here, let's get even worse. It's led to prideful self-pity. Prideful self-pity. By the way, self-pity usually tends to be prideful. It's kind of a martyrdom thing. I want praise for how much I've suffered, right? It's easy to be full of self-pity when you're having hard times. It's, it's, isn't pride terrible? Pride is so insidious, it'll sneak in anytime, any place. Um, Martha here, serving the Lord and what's rotting and corrupting away in her heart. It's prideful self-pity. She thinks she's the only one trying and Jesus doesn't care and Mary won't help. And then here's the greatest part. She interrupts Jesus' sermon to preach her own. Lord, don't you care? Tell her to help me. Okay, we interrupt this sermon from Jesus Christ, creator and upholder of the universe, (laughs) and Lord of all life, to hear a special sermon from Martha telling her Lord what to do and do it now, okay? All of a sudden, it's like a new Star Wars character, you know, it's Lord Martha, okay? Bow before Lord Martha, Jesus, and get your act in line. What's happening to her heart? where she's now commanding Jesus what to do in the middle of his own sermon. Prideful self-pity that comes from distraction. She's bossing the Lord around like she's the Lord. And the biggest thing she forgot, look at verse 41. Look how the Lord answers her. Don't you just love Jesus so much? I love Jesus so much. And the more we read the gospels and we see how he handles people, I love him so much. She's, she's off the rails, and what does he say to her? Martha, Martha. You know, in, in Hebrew culture, it's, it's rare usually to say somebody's, word, somebody's name twice like that. And it usually emphasizes some sort of uh, an emotional intensity. And there's no doubt here that as he says her name, um, he, is communing, he is communicating to her his love it's compassionate, it's gentle, it's kind. It's Martha, Martha, listen to me. And it just just reminds you that as she was distracted, um, it led to anxiety, it led to frustration, led to prideful self-pity. It also led to her forgetting that she's loved, that she's loved in the midst of all of this. So that's the first thing to see is we have a tendency to let good things distract us from the essential thing and to realize that distraction is destructive. How many of you, any of you, can you relate to Martha a little bit? Okay, come on, people. This this is our hearts. We got to come home to the one thing. What is the one essential thing? What is it? It's in verse 39. Martha had a sister called Mary, and what does she do, people? Will you read this with me, the last part of 39? She had a sister called Mary, who what? sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. What is the one thing? It's to sit at the Lord's feet, at his feet, and listen to His word. What's Mary's posture? What is she prone towards? What is she geared in on? What are her eyes on? Jesus and what he's saying, Jesus' word. I think there's four things we see here about how she's listening. Number one, she's listening intimately. She's listening intimately. So she's sitting right there at his feet. Is she far away? Is it distant? How is she taking his word, right? She's taking it like he's near and that it's for her personally. It is for her life, like she's, She's eating it up, it's, she's close to it, she's soaking it in, she's listening intimately. Number two, she's listening repeatedly, repeatedly. Do you think this is the only time Mary ever listened to Jesus? Guaranteed no. And think of the setting of the moment. Is this like some crisis moment where you have to fix the huge problem right now where everything is destroyed? Or is this kind of a, I mean, how, many, how often do you need to make dinner for people? Okay? All the time. Is this a crisis, one-time, crazy moment, or is this an every single day moment? It's an every day moment. This means you need the one thing all the time. All the time. It's not once a week, it's not once a year, it's not I did that once in 83. It's continual process of listening to Jesus, sitting at his feet. Number three, she's listening restfully. She's listening restfully. Is there a time to quit stressing out about the details of hospitality and service? Is there a time to make space to do something other than care for those kids? Is there a time to make sure there's boundaries on work and entertainment? Is there a time to go and rest from all those things and sit at his feet in his presence and listen? And the text says, it's more than saying there's a time for this. It's saying this is the one thing. And if you don't have this, you will be distracted and the distraction will be destructive. Listen intimately, listen repeatedly, listen restfully, listen submissively, listen submissively. Where is she sitting? At his feet. So she is, he's the, the contrast between Mary and Martha here is pretty stark. Martha is telling the Lord what to do. Lord, read my Bible, okay? And Mary is letting the Lord be the Lord and listening to his word. She's receiving If you stay the authority, you aren't really sharing a relationship with Jesus. You don't really know him, you can't really hear him. To listen to Jesus is to be submissive to his word and to understand and to believe and to trust. And Jesus says to listen like this is the good portion, the good portion that can't be taken away It's the one thing that's necessary. You know, it reminds me of many texts in Scripture, but I want to look at one with you. Look at Psalm 27, verse 4. Psalm 27, verse 4. What does the author say there? And doesn't it sound familiar? What does he say? One thing I've asked of the Lord, and that I will seek after. What's the one thing? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want to be with him to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. What's the one thing you want to see and focus on and grab onto and cling to and hold you, the one thing that you really actually need? It's to be with him and to hear his voice and to see him through his word and to find your good portion there that can never be taken away. He is the feast and you have him through his word. So, as you listen to Jesus like this, it's the good portion in that you get God Himself. You know Him. Do you know how to do this when you read your Bible? Do you know how to do this? Do you, do you know how to sit with it and know that Jesus is there? And to read it and understand what it means and know that it's for you personally and for your life personally? and hear him and and rest in him and who he is and what he's done and and get into where you're seeing him by faith through his word, listening to Jesus. We get God as we listen to his word like that. We also see his love for us. We see his love for us as we listen to him like this. Uh, this I wanna share with you something that may be obvious to you. It was absolutely new to me as I was learning this week. You know we hear we hear stories of Jesus and uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus in several places in the Gospel, and I just want to walk through a few little episodes with you. Look at John 11, 1. You learn something about Mary in John 11, 1 and two. A certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And here's what you he, what do you learn in verse two? It was what? It was who? It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Did you know that? Did you know it was this Mary? The Mary who sat and listened? That's interesting. Let's go to Matthew 26 and remember that moment when Mary did this. Matthew 26, verse 10, you know, as she did this, she takes this perfume that's incredibly valuable, right? It's like her life savings. It's probably the most precious thing she has. And she dumps it on Jesus. And some of the disciples get a little bit edgy on this. They're like, we could have sold that and given it to the poor or something. Okay, and they're, they're kind of degrading her and mocking her in this moment. Jesus won't have it. He totally defends her. Matthew 26, 10, this is what Jesus says. Why do you trouble the woman? For she's done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she's done it to what, folks? Prepare me for burial, Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So Jesus says, from eternity, we're going to be looking at this moment and lifting this lady up as an example. Because she, what did she do? She took her most precious thing and she broke it on his feet, but she did it to prepare him for what? Burial. Now plug all this in with me. How many times does Jesus tell the world and his disciples that he's going to die on the cross over and over and over again? How many of his disciples actually get it? None of them, except maybe one. She alone caught the idea that he's going to go to the cross and she anoints him for burial, why was she able to see what nobody else was able to see? Because she sat at his feet and she listened. She sat and she listened. And you will find the love of Jesus for you on the cross in new and powerful ways when you will quit being distracted And focus in on the one thing and sit with your Savior at his feet and listen and you'll find he loves me. He loves me. And you'll wanna break open all the precious treasure of your life and pour it out at his feet. Listening to Jesus really is the one thing. Specifically hearing his love for us in the word of the cross, First Corinthians 1, 18, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. What is it called, the what of the cross? The word of the cross, and what do you do to a word? You listen, are you listening? This is the one thing that's necessary, to listen to his word, specifically the word of the cross, that's a good portion which cannot be taken away from you. So now I wanna choose it. Jesus said to Martha, Martha you're distracted. Mary chose the good portion. So couple applications here. Number one, if you're not a Christian today, I hope you can hear the word of the cross that Jesus lived a perfect life for you in your place and that he died on the cross for sins and he rose from the dead. And that if you confess and repent of your sins and trust, trust his word, you will know his love, his forgiveness, um, and, and you're welcome into God's presence as his child. Listen to the word. Now for those of us who are already believers, in regular, everyday life, what do you need to fight off? Distraction. You're going to think you need things that Jesus says you really don't. And he wants to direct you in to choose to be disciplined enough to grab the one thing. And what is it, folks? Sit at his feet and listen. Apply this individually. Apply this individually. What do you need to be doing all the time throughout your week? You need to be spending time with God in his word. Now go ahead and tell me all the things you think you need that keep you from that. Let's go. Entertainment, sleep, sports talk radio, Netflix. Come on, what? I don't know. Serving, face, thank you. Social media will be proof on judgment day that you really did have time to read your Bible. You don't need it. You need the one thing, get with the Lord, listen, humbly, submissively, repeatedly. Suck on what he's saying. Find his love for you in the cross, in that word. Choose it individually. What about with your family? Do you need to choose this with your family? Do you need to sit at Jesus' feet um, with your spouse, with your children, with those closest to you? How come you don't? What are you distracted by? What is it that you think you need you really don't? Uh, The sports? Taking homework to the nth degree? Um, is there no time? Can, can you do peanut butter and jelly one night and have Bible time? Okay. Choose the good portion with your family. Not only that, what about with your church? What about with your church? You know, football's coming, right? Any of you like NFL football? Don't be ashamed. I like it. Oh, I, especially the Patriots. <laughs> You like NFL football, and you know what happens in churches all over America to our men when football comes, because what do we really need? I need to watch football. Well, we, as soon as we say that out loud, it sounds preposterous. Uh, not really. What do you really need? Folks, do we, do we need Sundays together as a church, or is it just tradition I want to give you two just little nuggets. Look what, Tim, look what Paul tells Timothy, this young pastor, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, who's to come up like that, and you're like, what's it going to be? <laughs> okay? And then verse 2, what's he telling them to do? Preach the word. Preach the word. What's the one thing we need, do you remember? Listening to Jesus Word, and what are pastors supposed to do? Preach the word. Look at this other nugget, 1 Timothy 4.16. sixteen. First Timothy 4.16. This verse is almost awkward. Paul's writing to Timothy, this pastor. Keep a close watch. He's supposed to watch two things. What's he supposed to watch? Yourself and your teaching. So watch your example. You should be living a genuine example of the Christian life. yeah. And watch what you're teaching. Are you teaching the word well? But listen up, church. Persist in doing this, Timothy, for by doing so, you will what? Save yourself and your hearers. Now, what does that mean? There's, of course, a major way. I don't save myself, right? Am I saving you? No way, Jose. Who saves us? Jesus, of course, of course, it's his life, death, and resurrection. We're saved by grace through faith in him, of course. But that process of salvation, that process of continuing to come and sit at his feet and hear his word, it's no joke if whatever local church you're a part of, If the teaching ministry of that church is faithful and we come together, and as we look at God's word, it's not about me, right? It's about this book. As we come together, what are we doing? We are sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his word, and this will save you. It is saving you as you follow Jesus Christ. Don't get distracted. What are things that keep us from church? Hey, I'm not saying you can't go on vacation, okay? I go on vacation. I'm not saying you, you can't miss when you're sick. Don't get the rest of us sick, right? Um, I'm talking about your regular habits, but sometimes it's like, oh, I miss church because I needed to clean out my purse. <laughs> you're like, you don't have a purse. I, I know. Um, <laughs> I miss church because we were having a big party this afternoon, and I had to cook it just right, like Martha, Okay, Um, folks, what's Jesus saying? You don't always need what you think you need. Don't be distracted. What's the one thing you need that will never be taken away? Sit at his feet and listen. And as you hear his word and his love, you want to pour out the best you are upon him and you'll get to see his face and enjoy him forever. Do it as a church. Do it on Sundays. Do it in small groups. Look at Colossians 3.16. You can sign up for a growth group today or, or come to Bible studies on Wednesday night. Look, what does Colossians 3.16 say? Let the what? Word of Christ dwell in you as a community richly. What are you all supposed to do? This isn't for pastors. What are you all supposed to do? Teaching, admonishing, One another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. What are you doing as a community in this verse? The one thing. You're sitting at his feet, listening to his teaching. So don't let good things distract you from the one thing. Let's choose to intimately, regularly, restfully, submissively listen to Jesus and remember his love for us, especially in the cross. Amen? Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.